Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. talking about uh, triangle buildings again yes and a little bit about nikola tesla and a little bit about microwaves that's pretty cool and the hindenburg this is a pretty good like goes this, this goes some places good this is good can i tell you my favorite fact about microwaves sure uh so you know how microwaves have grates on the front of like the windows like little metal grates they have, that have holes in them usually so you can see your food inside mm-hmm. do you know what those are for those grates uh no so microwave and i could be getting this totally wrong but i did look at this up on the internet so it's probably right microwaves are waves we know this it's in the they're name. small maybe they're small however they are actually big enough that they cannot fit through those holes in the grates that those great hole the, the grates are stopping microwaves from passing through and i'm i'm like butchering the the interesting part about this which is that those holes in grates of microwaves microwave ovens that is are just big enough to let you see your food while being small enough to not let the actual microwaves pass through. And I think that's fascinating. Every single time I cook food, I can just imagine like physical waves not being able to pass through this grate that I can see through. It's just so wild to me. I, I want to have your like childlike wonder about the world. That, <laughs> do you do you not find that interesting? I do. I think, that's I think very it's really interesting. Cool. I think I think I also remember that when microwaves were first discovered, they could cook things when like some engineer melted a chocolate bar in his pocket and they were like, hmm, yeah. seems this thing I'm near is able to cook things. Do you think that guy's okay? Because if, if they were if they just got microwaves straight to their pants pockets that feels like if that feels like something else microwaved you know what i mean that feels like part of their body microwaved maybe uh i mean i feel like if they had died that would have been i would have seen that on some top 10 youtube channel or something that's true the true story behind the microwave the drama and now i'm gonna have to wonder if any person has ever been microwaved like some sort of final destination type thing um if you have ever seen the movie the last house on the left spoilers it ends with the big bad being microwaved his head being microwaved in a broken microwave that's how the movie ends it's pretty great well uh speaking of heads being microwaved uh i'm about to microwave all of your brains today because this is it's probably not aliens what it's a podcast where we look at 
claims of aliens in ancient times, pseudo-archaeology, Atlantis. Uh, We shockingly go into Nazis a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Just sort of the wackiness that goes into the sort of ancient aliens cinematic universe. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Uh, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm the host that has done no research whatsoever before we've started recording. Tristan sends me a little script or not a script. Yeah, he sends me a fully written out script of what I'm supposed to say. So if any of my jokes are bad, uh, it's because Tristan wrote them. Mm-hmm. That microwave story um, went through some revisions. <laughs> That wasn't bad, though. That was good and interesting. And all the comments will reflect that if yeah. there were comments under podcasts. I, it's good. I, I I legitimately appreciated it. I am Tristan Johnson. I'm the person who um, goes down a rabbit hole of pure insanity uh, for uh, each episode, winding myself up in some wacky places, most of the time sad, but less so today. Today, we're going to learn about all sorts of fun things. We're going to learn about a Electricity, yeah, radiation, okay, hydrogen, yes, and Egypt and Egypt, microwaves, radiation, electricity, and Egypt—the four pillars of science. Mm-hmm. So, in our last episode about ancient Egypt, we did a little bit about the work of a guy named Christopher Dunn. I don't exactly remember if we named him or not, but he is this engineer guy who has a pet interest in Egyptology. I do like that not even ancient aliens can go as far to describe him as an Egyptologist or a historian because he is literally an engineer with an interest in history. So Christopher Dunn uh, made a whole argument about how Egyptians must have had diamond-tipped tools and power tools in order to do some of the cuts and stuff that they made. I remember this. Yes, I remember this guy. Was he the one on Ancient Aliens talking about this or was someone just talking about his ideas? Yes, it was him. Ah, a movie star, a television star. Mm -hmm. So another part that he gets into also just very fun, is that he also believes that the Great Pyramid, not just the Great Pyramid of Giza, is actually a massive power plant that uses, and here we go. Hit me with it. The magnetic poles and quote unquote, what he just describes as vibrations channeled through quote, harmonic resonators and the dimensions of the structure to generate huge amounts of power before being destroyed in a massive fire caused by its use of hydrogen. That's a lot. Yeah, just said. So this kind of opens up the whole can of worms about theories that the Great Pyramid or that the pyramids in general were not, Mm -hmm. as we would think, the tombs of dead pharaohs, but actually were power plants. They sure were. Now, some believe that there was like a radiation thing going on because, you know, if you take a Geiger counter to uh, some of the things inside of the uh, pyramids, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. you'll get some clicks. You'll get Uh, some clicks in there. Yeah. Why not? And uh, there is some, you know, some peculiarities about the construction of the pyramids, like uh, that they're coated with limestone, which would be used as an insulator to keep the energy inside. And that there's shafts inside that seem to be lined with granite, which Uh if you were to put certain like chemicals in there would react and make ionized air. A lot of science stuff going on. Uh, There's definitely a lot of science 
science words. <laughs> Definitely a lot of science words. Whether or not they're accurate science words is a thing we will uh, potentially get into, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything you've said so far sounds really smart. It sounds smart. Is it smart? Well, the, uh, the, the claim that actually they go into in Ancient Aliens is that they do a chemical reaction. So there's like two chambers, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and there's like these air holes that go into them, these like long slanted shafts. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is they would pour chemicals into these shafts that would go down to what's called the queen's chamber, which is sort of the lower chamber. And they would cause a reaction that would make hydrogen gas that would go up. And as it resonated somehow through the, uh, as the hydrogen rose through the sort of tunnels leading to the king's chamber, the thing, science would happen and the hydrogen gas would somehow turn into microwaves that would then come out through the air slot in the pyramid, which then uh, they speculated because uh, that, that the microwaves could go into space or could be used to wirelessly power uh, the area around the pyramid. What I love right now about everything you're saying is your incredibly certain tone using using like somehow it transferred, you know, like thanks to science stuff, this habit, I, it's, it, it feels, this theory feels to me very thought out. Yeah, I mean, like there's lots of evidence. For example, this pyramid that has been well known for thousands of years doesn't have any of the engravings or carvings on the walls. There was one explanation I found. There's like a bunch of these like um, uh, sarcophagi in these pyramids. And some of them are like really big. And Egyptologists suspect that it was because it was used to hold like the pharaoh's prize bulls or something like that oh that's cool because they mummified animals a whole lot there sure and um the response from this blogger was just like lol like i would believe that uh anyways (laughs) (laughs) um so maybe this like so in the pyramid of giza maybe this Uh coffin shaped uh stone vessel wasn't a coffin but was indeed like a place for holding electric like equipment because they use gold wiring apparently okay like okay. a pharaonic circuit board Let, okay hold on i have to address this because this is the first thing that's on my mind is, is that equipment still there unfortunately no but um hear me out <laughs> okay what's more likely uh that they just put some dead king in there and then somebody robbed it mm-hmm. or that it's full of gold electrical equipment to power the electrical stuff I'm well, so so what I was going and, and you're exactly right. And, and this is this is where my head was going with this, because we've talked before on this show that some people don't believe that the pyramids were, were used as uh, like some sort of burial site because there are no bodies, I guess, that they've found. And so. If you're using that as evidence, when it really the explanation is just you know there are grave robbers and people steal stuff, then you all you can't turn around and go and then there was all this gold equipment that's also not there because maybe someone robbed it and it's just like you can't say they robbed <laughs> one, like you know, are, you, are you picking up what I'm putting down yeah, here like you can't um, we're not you, even you through can't. like going through what the claim is at this point so <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry it's just the, it, I'm just bothered by some people being like this happened. Happened, but this uh, this similar th- I don't know. All right, whatever. I'll yeah. fix this all in editing to make myself sound smarter. <laughs> this is a very very fun one. 
So you say fun, I say frustrating. Continue, sir. So basically the idea is that uh, this is either a microwave tower, which Uh would be used to beam wireless electricity to uh, ships in space, or it would go to a sort of gold cap on the top of the pyramid and function as something called a Tesla tower, which was a theorized uh, technology that Nikola Tesla had written about in his more mad scientist days near the end of his life. (laughs) Um, Okay. That would be the idea that this would, uh, through microwaves, be able to uh, generate a wireless electric field and actually like charge or power uh, electrical objects in its range. And the science behind it is actually decent. It's how like wireless, like um, like kind of like magnetic induction, stuff like that. It's how wireless cell phone charges uh, work yeah. now. So we'll get into a little bit about this, but the, basically like that's the theory is that these, that that's what the pyramids are. The Egyptians were charging their phones. So I think the first way to really talk about this Because like going through these claims, there is a lot of different claims. There's a lot of different theories as to what type of power plant the pyramids are. And I can get into Mm -hmm. a few of the specific claims, but uh, it's really, I think it'd be better in this one to start by just talking about what the pyramids are and why we know what they were. That's a fantastic place to start because I feel like this is the second episode we've talked about pyramids. And I feel like it's not going to be the last one. Oh, no. If we just want to knock out real quick, just just whatever. What are the pyramids? What is pyramids, Tristan? What is pyramids? And how are we sure? Well, I'm so glad you asked, Scott. <laughs> so the pyramids are a absolute masterpiece of human engineering. And at the t- like when they were constructed, especially the Great Pyramid at Giza, the Great Pyramid of Giza stood as the tallest structure on Earth until the construction of the Eiffel Tower in the late 19th century. Yes. So it was the reigning champion for like three millennia. <laughs> yeah, quite a long time. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it speaks to a lot of stuff in Egyptian society that they were able to accomplish this. And I'll get into this a little bit because the answer might surprise you. Ooh. But it is, at the end of the day, a very impressive construction made of blocks of limestone and a few pieces of uh, granite sort of in the inside, dolomite specifically. Mm -hmm. Big rocks. Yes, very big rocks. We did an entire episode about how they could move big rocks, but that's not what we're talking about today. The thing is that they're made primarily of a rock called limestone, which has a lot of different minerals inside. And the thing about it that could give some credence to the idea that this is a power plant is that the pyramids are a little bit radioactive okay. and they're a little bit conductive because stone has little bits of water inside and water is a conductible material. Yeah. It's a thing it shares with all stone. And also because it's so big, it does have an effect on magnetic fields because it's just, you know, just because of its sheer mass. Yeah. It's it's pretty big. There's a lot of it. It's got a lot of girth, those pyramids. So there's a lot of ways that you can take these readings about these objects. And if you don't really know a whole lot about geology or, uh, you know, electromagnetism, you can- Tristan, I got to tell you, I I know next to nothing about geology. I think limestone is just a rock that's been flavor blasted with lime flavor. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
I don't know anything. Well, I don't know a whole lot either, but from what I did pick up when I was researching this, that like you can say, oh yeah, this thing is conductive. And it's like, okay, oh yeah, all stone is conductive to some degree or another. Even if it's yeah, what's like, so special about that? Yeah. But what you do is you get just enough sciencey sounding words that then you can run with it. And if you are, say, just a person who's watching history channel on you know 9 p.m on a thursday you, you get this strong sense of like oh yeah it makes sense pyramids yeah pyramids it's also yeah it's also slightly radioactive because like all stone it has small bits of radioactive isotopes that you can uh even some people made the claim that the the pyramids were nuclear power plants which is an extremely weird case because trust me like because of how long things stay radioactive if it was a nuclear power plant we would know yeah we have found this is one thing i'd love to investigate more but i have heard about a african mountain that had like a significant uranium deposit and because of like the geology of the area it actually functioned as like a natural nuclear fusion re- or fission reactor for like mo- like millions no of years. No way. No way. That's so cool. And we were able to find evidence of that. So I mean, and people are constantly at investigating these pyramids. You know, like we we would have found something if it was radioactive. For an example, let's take an example of a nuclear power plant today. So let's take, for example, the Ukrainian city of Pripyat, which is where the Chernobyl uh, nuclear power plant was. Right. I've heard of this. Yeah. So the exclusion zone uh, around Chernobyl, which if you don't know, is a place where the worst nuclear disaster in human history happened, mm-hmm. where due to like mismanagement and a, like a really bad accident and not a lot of uh, not a great safety record and also a very poorly timed test. The nuclear power plant uh, essentially exploded and then had a massive, well, the shell around it exploded anyway. And then the core was, they were unable to shut down the core. So it uh, got so hot that it literally started melting through all of the protection and then sort of melting down through the cement and the ground. And then they saved the world at the last minute because it was just about to melt into the like groundwater and would have contaminated like a huge amount of that region's water supply. Anyways, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Anytime you ever, if you ever want to like uh, read up on the events of Chernobyl, they were dealing with problems and catastrophes that are like, we need to solve this in like six hours. And if we don't, half of Eastern Europe is going to be unlivable. <laughs> like It's like, okay. Oh um, boy. Yeah. And the, almost because of the work, almost everybody who worked with it, like, you know, got cancer early and stuff. Anyways, the place is going to be uninhabitable for like 10,000 years. Mm. So this kind of stuff sticks for a long time. Very much so. So what were the pyramids anyway? I um. I found a really great little article sort of as a response to Is the Pyramid a Power Plant by a guy named uh, Zahi Awas, who is uh, who wrote an article for the Egyptian Independent. He is an Egyptian archaeologist who uh, was actually at one point, he did two stints as the Minister of State for Antiquities Affairs. Okay. You could imagine that the Minister of State for Antiquities Affairs in Egypt is probably a pretty, uh, pretty important position. Sounds like a knowledgeable person. And he is regularly worked at archaeological sites all over Egypt. So firsthand experience. Yeah. 
Yeah. So his assertion is that the pyramids were built as tombs, specifically the Great Pyramids are built as tombs, or all the pyramids actually. It was a period of Egyptian history during the 18th dynasty, which ran between the reign of King Djoser until the reign of King Ahmos. Uh, so what these were, were there was a trend of pharaohs in this period specifically who built pyramids to act as their tombs. Is there a reason why? Uh, we'll get into that. Oh, okay, cool. But uh, after him, they they stopped building pyramids and started going towards what is called um, the you know the new kingdom. Uh, they started building their tombs in the Valley of the Kings with uh, a mountain nearby that's supposed to represent the pyramid shape. So it still had the religious significance, but you would bury them so that it was less likely that tomb robbers would steal your shit. Makes sense. Now, tomb robbers have stolen a lot of stuff from the Valley of the Kings, but for example... Uh, we were able to find, and I think I mentioned this earlier in an episode, but you, know, you can't be expected to listen to every episode of the show. I barely do. Yeah. But uh, like, it's the reason why when we found uh, King Tutankhamun or King Tut, it was a very significant find. And why? Because he actually wasn't king for all that long. He wasn't like that important of an <laughs> Egyptian pharaoh. He died when he was like 19 or something. He died young because he was um, severely related to himself. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that actually. Yeah. That rings a bell. Mm -hmm. But uh, the reason why he is so significant and his uh, tomb was so significant was because it was one of the few that had not been robbed. So all of the gold, all of the treasure, like when yeah. they when they cracked open that tomb, it was the first time eyes had laid upon those things in thousands of years. That's really interesting. So the reason why people know, if, if people had to name a significant pharaoh, I feel like they would jump to a very few handful of options, one of them definitely being King Tut. Mm -hmm. And you're telling me that it is only because he was there and they found him. And he's very, very, that's very rare. Yeah, I'll get ahead of an Egyptologist's uh, uh, comments. Tutankhamun is important in sort of the period of Egypt because it was going through a bit of a religious crisis that he kind of ended. Okay. His dad. So he did stuff. Yeah. His dad tried to basically end polytheism in Egypt and uh, he tried to replace all of the gods with a single god by the name of Aten. And that's why when he, when King Tut was born, he was named uh, Tutankhaten. And King Tut, when he took, came to power, his like thing was to go back to the old ways and bring back the gold gods. And that's why he changed his name to Tutankhamun, which is Amun Ra, the big important Egypt god. Oh man, this is I'm learning a lot. Yeah. This is very fascinating. Yeah, vibing about Egypt is fun just because um I grew up a lot with it. My mom is really, really into Egypt stuff. So I've been like hearing about this stuff since I was a little kid. So yeah, right, so back to the topic. So there was this period where they were building pyramids uh before they were putting uh their pharaohs in the Valley of the Kings. Mm-hmm. And we have evidence that these were tombs because we've found things like King Djoser, one of the pharaohs that built a pyramid. Uh, we did find his hand and his foot inside of his pyramid. And it was okay. the first pyramid built in Egypt. And That's pretty cool. Another pyramid found in southern Saqqara. You guys remember <laughs> the, the location of that fucking bird. That's right. The Saqqara. Yeah, fucking bird. It's the same. Say, I, I don't think it's the same uh, site. But uh, we did find the mummy of King Nefer F. I, I apologize to all of my uh, ancient Egyptian listeners. Um, but uh, the the mummy of King Nefer Ephra uh, from the fifth dynasty who built his pyramid there. And there have around the pyramids, there are tombs of multiple nobles and people who worked on the pyramids. 
And many of those are full mummies. Oh, cool. And even there was another tomb that belonged to a famous writer named Kai. So all of this was discovered around all of the, like around the pyramids, you can find uh, lesser tombs of like important nobles related to the reign of that Pharaoh. And the Great Pyramid, the big one, the one that- uh, The big one. The big Great Pyramid of Giza, the one that is we're looking at for the being a power plant, was the tomb of a pharaoh named Khufu. And near his pyramid, we do have like, you know, people who lived contemporaneously with Khufu who are entombed uh, around him. And yes, yeah, so yeah, many of the titles of the people who are buried in these tombs indicate that they had many positions and were responsible for um, reviving the entombed king's doctrine. So there's that. <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a lot of evidence that there is some sort of mortuary. Like if it was a power plant, there would probably be electrics type. It would be more of an industrial area or something like that. Right. But instead it's like, if your big monument is surrounded by graves, you can kind of imply that uh -huh. this is probably a grave uh -huh. itself. How likely is it that it could have been both? Could, could it have been a grave tomb that was also a power plant? I mean, there is a race of sort of Egypt-themed, undead-themed robots in Warhammer okay. 40,000 okay. called the Necrons. Based on a true story. Yeah, there you go. All right, so what you're, you, basically what you're saying is to the people who think it's a power plant because they don't think it's a tomb because... Obviously, like the main evidence, quote unquote evidence and heavy air quotes that they have to support that it, that it's not a tomb. It's just because you you don't find, I guess, bodies in it because, again, people probably stole them. But we have found parts of bodies. We have found some yes. mummies and we find several yes. mummies around them. Exactly. So it, it's not just that it's missing. It's not missing everything that would make it a tomb. It's missing like maybe it's missing like one body that's kind of important. But there's so many, there's so much other stuff around it that points to this is a tomb. Yeah, who could possibly think to rob a building that is a giant triangle that says I, was, <laughs> I am the tomb of a king full of treasure? <laughs> the a, a building that, as you've said, was for a really long time the tallest structure on the planet. Mm -hmm. Hard to miss those great pyramids. Yes. And there is like even records of like Muslim sultans of Egypt, like uh, going into the pyramids and stuff. There are also contemporaneous texts about the pyramid, uh, especially during the uh, reign of King Unas, who was the last king of the fifth dynasty. And they refer to kings being buried below the pyramid and that religiously the pyramid served as a ladder to ascend to the god Ra in heaven. Ra is like the chief deity. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just going to check to make sure, but if I remember correctly, he's the sun god. Yeah, I believe so. I've played Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, he's the god who created the world, the sky, the earth, and the underworld. God of the sun and the kings in the sky. Which means, if I remember the Egyptian creation myth, means that he's the one who um, made sweet, sweet love to himself in order to create the world. Oh. Oh, yeah. That's... <laughs> There's a side of Egyptian mythology that gets a very semen-heavy. <laughs> I love history. I love archaeology. <laughs> Yeah, that's I'm going to have to ponder that for a bit. I, I simultaneously want more information and I don't want to know any more information. Definitely don't like, Google at the same time. So back. Um, oh, no. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we move on. So around the pyramids, there are also 14 architectural constructions that have a specific function designed to reanimate the body of the deceased king through because like basically the idea of 
you have to understand like Egyptian cosmology. Walk me through it real quick. Yeah. Egypt in their religious sense was a culture kind of obsessed with the afterlife and that like they believed that, well, I mean, they believe all sorts of stuff about the afterlife and you know, there might be some, there might be some influence on Christianity from this, that they believe that when you died, your, uh, your body was judged or your heart was specifically, your heart was weighed against the weight of a feather. And if it was lighter than a feather, then you would go to the afterlife. And if it was heavier than a feather, then a kind of like Mm. hippo lion crocodile creature would eat your heart and you would basically cease to exist. Oh man. I've seen hippos eat. That is not fun. Yeah. That's violent. So the afterlife was a very big concern and they believed that the pharaohs would live in the afterlife, but that they had to be prepared for the afterlife. Uh, So they were mummified. The reason they were mummified was so that their bodies would be preserved for the afterlife. They uh, would be buried with their animals And animals were also mummified as sort of like a religious observations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They would also be buried with stone figures called uh, Ushamptis that were sort of like uh, they were going to be like servants in the afterlife. And they they had like all of the inside of all of these tombs that are very elaborate. They put a lot of effort into building all of these funerary things with the Book of the Dead and everything like that. So it's a a society very obsessed with death and the afterlife. Mm -hmm. So one of the ideas is that there were were these uh, constructs around architectural elements like little chapels and temples all around the pyramids where priests would go to help do the uh, prayers and rituals to help their body make it into the afterlife. And that uh, these temples were for worshiping Ra and the king and also the goddess Hathor. Hathor. Mm -hmm. So not only are there like the tombs of important people around these pyramids, but there are also like temples and stuff like that to the kings that these temples, because they also believed that the pharaohs were basically like gods on earth. So not only were there, you know, the the tombs of important people to this king, then there were also temples that were dedicated in honor of like Ra and Hathor and this particular pharaoh. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I'm just like soaking all this in this is very fascinating was hathor the god the the god goddess you said yes is hathor the goddess of something in particular she is the goddess of the sky women fertility and love oh man and you just knew that off the top of your head nope i googled it I was giving you a chance to own it. I was like, I was going to be like, oh man, Tristan, when you think it really does sound like keyboard clicks, huh? (laughs) Those gears turning. Yeah. There's a lot to remember. There was a lot. There's a lot of Egyptian gods. That's why that one guy tried to make it just one. Tried to be like, just one now, please. Mm -hmm. No more polytheism. Didn't work out so well. Oh my. We got an Akhenaten fan house. (laughs) Okay. It's like one of the most chaotic periods. Like there's a whole lot of like evidence that like the Egyptian people hated it and they like hated Akhenaten. And like after he died, like every statue of him was like destroyed. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I'm like itching to read a book about ancient Egypt now. Like this every time we visit this place on this podcast, it, it's just so, I get why there are so many ancient astronaut theories about Egypt because it as a place and its history is just so interesting inherently. Actually, you know what? I take it back. I don't get why there's a lot of ancient astronaut theory about it because it is so interesting 
that like why do you need to try and like make something up to make it interesting you don't have to it's already so fascinating mm-hmm. anyway like those so those like constructions all around the pyramid talk about how great this god was or how great this king was who has died and if this pyramid was a power plant it's really strange that all of the archaeological evidence and all of the like religious stuff around it is all about a certain king and like you know talking about them ascending to the sky to the afterlife <laughs> Is it possible that Khufu is the powerhouse of the cell? Could be. And another piece that's written about about the pyramids is that recently there was discovered a papyrus in the place of uh, Wadi al-Jarf. I apologize to all of our Arabic speaking people. Yeah, um, we just get all the apologies out of the way. We don't know. We do not know how to pronounce things because we're uh, the imbeciles. Yes, but it's the oldest papyrus that has ever been discovered. Papyrus is basically what the Egyptians used as paper. They made paper and they uh, that's what they wrote on. They had a lot of scribes and stuff like that. This is why we also know a lot about Egypt because they wrote a ton of stuff down. Couldn't stop writing. But it is also the only papyrus we've ever found that talks about the building of the pyramid and about King Khufu and about the managing of the pyramid and about transporting stones by boat on the Nile to the pyramid. <laughs> like maybe sort right. of come up in the construction one, but basically it's a whole thing about like, hey, we put the stones on the boat to go to the pyramid that we're going to build for King Khufu. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. And do these mention anything about the pyramids being power plants? I got to imagine they would. Uh, oddly enough, doesn't come up. Oh, that's they they had a lot of other stuff going on. Probably didn't want to. They were just, they forgot. They forgot to mention that the pyramids were power plants, actually. Mm-hmm. And also, um, with all this stuff, we this is a very, you know, Khufu was a very big and important king. If this isn't his tomb, uh, it'd be pretty interesting to find out where his tomb is. Because I imagine they would have built something for that. Do you think there's an even greater pyramid that was even bigger than this one and we just haven't found it yet they just like lost it somewhere <laughs> it's just out there somewhere we forgot where it was doesn't remind me that like you know there's a lot of desert and empty space in egypt yeah. like um and and there's a lot of stuff that we just don't have like um i was i'm reminded of the fact that we don't know where genghis khan's tomb is that's true just because mongolia and like you know the asian steps are just so huge that we actually just can't find it it's just There's just so much land to check to the point where they did like a kind of project where they were like getting people to look at satellite photos to see if they see a Mongol tomb. Yeah, I can't remember if we've talked about that on a podcast or if it was in one of your videos or something, but I definitely remember hearing about that. Mm -hmm. That's why you build a big pyramids. You don't lose it. You don't lose track of stuff. And one of the claims also that like this couldn't have been a tomb is that uh, there was some pyramids that look like they were designed for more than one pharaoh, like King Seneferi. Uh, one of the first kings of the fourth dynasty. But what we find out is that he was trying to build a huge pyramid at Maidum, but then they found out after they started building it that it didn't have enough stones to build a huge pyramid with. Aw, that's <laughs> disappointing. So it became a, a letdown. Yeah, so it became a sort of symbolic burial ground. Uh, and then they moved from Maidum to uh, Dashur and they began to build another pyramid. <laughs> Known as the bent pyramid. The bent, wait, as as in like the adjective bent? Like it, does it look bent? Well, here's the thing. Okay. The architect of it found that um, changing the angle of it might hinder the burial of the king if he died suddenly. So he started constructing the northern oh. pyramid, but then Sneferu settled on being buried inside the bent pyramid and returned to turn the step pyramid in Maidum into a full pyramid. <laughs> 
So they eventually took that one that they didn't think they could finish and turned it into a full pyramid anyway. Goodness. A lot of flip-flopping there. Yeah, what I mean, like, if you think about it over the course of someone's entire life and logistics and stuff like that, you, you could see that set of circumstances happening and that would explain because there's just tons and tons of writing about Egypt that like this is the story sure. about how this all happened. Yeah. So that's that's what the pyramids are. They're tombs. They are tombs. Pretty definitively, they are tombs. Yes. So I found some really fun. Th- this is a bit that was done by looks like some sort of nuclear engineer that I saw when they were looking at this. So there's this claim that, you know, the, the pyramids are radioactive. How do you explain that? Uh-huh. Um, and so somebody showed that, yeah, like there are radioactive isotopes in the stones. Yes. Uh, and they decided to calculate it. So the Great Pyramid contains about 8,000 tons of granite, which uh, would contain, and this is in uh, measures of uh, becquerel, which is sort of a re- measure of radioactive material, that there's about 504 million becquerel of uh, uranium-238, 64 million becquerel of thorium-232, and about 9.472 billion becquerel of uh, potassium-60. Those numbers are enormous. Does that translate into that? I mean, that sounds like it's a lot. That feels like it's a lot. Is it a lot? I mean, because context is everything. Maybe that's just a drop in a bucket, but those sound big. Yeah, the amount of energy that they could put out uh, with a uranium-238, you can get about 4.2 mega electron volts. Uh, the thorium about four mega electron volts and the potassium about 0.6 mega electron volts. But if you do all the math and ignore the fact that Alpha particles have a plus two charge and beta particles have a negative one charge. You convert the electron volts to joules per second. All right. You would find out that- Big number. Hit me with a big number, Tristan. Give me a big old number. (laughs) The uranium would produce about 0.00034 watts of power. Okay. The thorium about 0.000042 watts. And the potassium about 0.001 watts for a grand total of 0.00. 0138 watts of power. Awesome. And that is enough to power what do we know? So like a regular light bulb requires about 60 watts of power. Oh. (laughs) Okay. So what I'm hearing is we just need more pyramids. (laughs) Yes. If we had, uh, if we had, if we built Oh, now I want to do the math on this. Okay. (laughs) How many pyramids does it take to light a light bulb? (laughs) I must know now. If we were to build 43,428 great pyramids, we could power a single light bulb with its radioactive potential. Goodness. (laughs) Um, It sounds like a lot. Maybe they were on their way. (laughs) They just like kept trying to build bigger and bigger pyramids. They could finally get to power something. Oh boy. Okay. So what I'm what I'm hearing is the pyramids as are probably are not a fantastic source of power. The nuclear power argument is a particularly bad one is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, but another way that they look at it is uh, that it this is I, I I could not I couldn't even parse out how they were even trying to argue this. But that something using harmonic resonance would turn hydrogen into microwaves so that like part of the like internal mechanisms, the tunnels and stuff inside of the pyramids 
mm-hmm. are designed for turning like sulfuric acid and making a chemical reaction into hydrogen gas. Yeah, because we've seen this pop up in a, in a couple episodes of Ancient Aliens where the, the pyramids ha- have, they've there are these shafts that I guess, and maybe this is just the show lying to me again, but the way that they present it is we have no idea what these little shafts are for. And they have all kinds of different theories about them. Is the, Are these what you're kind of referring to? Yes. Yes. So though that those little shafts have popped up a lot in these episodes. And you're saying something about them can turn hydrogen to microwaves. And create, yeah, hydrogen gas. And the claim is that the, the pyramids were destroyed by a fire, and that's why none of the power plant stuff exists. Okay. There's a fun fact about hydrogen, which is that it doesn't so much catch fire as mm-hmm. it explodes. <laughs> um, uh-huh, you may uh-huh. remember a little vessel called the Hindenburg that uh, was filled with hydrogen gas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and we all know how that turned out. Didn't work. Didn't work so good for that big old balloon. And now tying it into uh, another like, you know, fringe science uh, favorite Nikola Tesla's later work. Also very like primo, like, you know, you're tapping right into the right audience there. Absolutely. But like, even if this was able to, this pyramid was able to make microwaves in some way like that, uh, that actually has some validity because we are actually working on ways to use microwaves to make electricity, uh, wireless electricity. Oh, fascinating. I mean, it sounds dangerous, but yeah, continue. It does, doesn't it? It sounds very dangerous to me, but what do I know? I know next to nothing. I introduced myself at the start of this podcast by letting everyone know that I'm a dunce. So... Maybe it's perfectly safe. Well, uh, scientists today are working on ways to do this. And if we do figure out kind of like wireless power, it's probably going to be based off microwaves or lasers. Do we all have to wear chainmail suits that have holes in them that are big enough that we could see clothes through them, but still small enough that the microwaves can't pass through our, our bodies? Well, here's a fun fact about microwaves. The reason why the holes are that size and the reason the type uh-huh. microwaves can happen at multiple different frequencies and the ones inside your microwave oven are specifically designed to resonate at the harmonic frequency of water so what happens is uh, if you use a microwave it actually you know agitates the water molecules in your food and that's how it cooks yeah it creates friction and the friction creates heat and then heat cooks your food yeah so th- if as long as it's not the resonant frequency of water, it should be okay. People have considered using microwaves at the resonant frequency of water as a sort of like less than lethal like crowd control weapon, like to replace tear gas and oh, stuff like that. I don't like that. Yeah, it's not fun. Oh, I hate, I don't like the idea of cooking people to make them go away. It would make their, it would make their skin burn at least. So it would make it really like, oh. it would feel like a really bad sunburn and you'd have to disperse the crowd. Yeah, the future's going to oh, be real fun. Hate that. But uh, we are trying to use microwave power as a possible way to uh, power things in space, like beaming electricity to space or beaming electricity down from space. The problem, though, is that the atmosphere creates diffusion as a pretty big problem, like all the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff causes uh, issues. So if the pyramids were sending electricity to space, that is a problem they'd have to overcome and we wouldn't be very interested. A gold cap would not exactly cover it. (laughs) Then the problem of like doing it terrestrially, like if we were able to figure this out and we could just have like electric towers, kind of like we have cell phone towers that just beam electricity Mm -hmm. into all of our electric gizmos instead of having to have batteries or 
power lines or anything like that would be pretty cool. Uh, at the moment, we're working on this technology, but it is very inefficient. Like uh, the best right now we can do is maybe power something at a distance of 30 feet. And even so, only about 54% of the electricity that gets beamed out through the microwave tower actually makes it to that point. Mm. So if it was 30 feet from the tip of the top of the pyramid at like, you know, the best that we can do today, for example, it wouldn't even get to the bottom of the pyramid before it uh, had reached the limits of its effective range. You got to climb up it. Maybe only raw could access that raw power. Oh, <laughs> that was oh, a terrible boy. joke. Uh, you I hate don't it. cut that one out. You deserve that one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. I feel like if there's any one thing I could be canceled for, that's maybe close up. There and you would deserve me, it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like taking it all back, like if it was possible that these things were a power plant. In the name of uh, a wonderful friend of mine's uh, t shirt that I got, in, I got the wrong ones. So they're sending me another one. Thank you, DFTBA. They sent me a, a new shirt, but it says no content, only context. Oh, that sounds familiar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there is no like archaeological or textual evidence around. There's no discussion of Egyptians ever talking about electricity, and we have a lot of their writing. Like you'd think that if they if they had electricity or if they used the pyramids as power plants, that there would be something in the archaeological record or all of the writing that would support that or any of the other like kind of super technologies that they reference. That's fair. Do do we know if all of their writing that we've discovered was a, a blog post? Because that would be a dead giveaway that they would have electricity. Ooh, you're honestly onto something where like um, in the far future from now, a lot of our digital information is just stored mm-hmm. as like magnetic charges on silicon, which means that we won't be preserved. Oh, we can't. We have to work to preserve like old tapes and old uh, like floppy disks and stuff like that. Like we're going to preserving that data for archaeological record is actually like a, a real problem. It's really challenging. Uh-huh. Uh, we got to print quick. Start printing out Twitter. Print out all the tweets, please. They did start they did now. that. Um, what's it called? Library of Congress has printed off Twitter. <laughs> How? <laughs> uh, How? I think they took a date when they decided to do that, and they printed off every single tweet. They have it in uh, the Library of Congress somewhere. Uh, okay, just a, just one day of Twitter. Okay, that makes more sense. I think it was like every single tweet, but it was fairly early on in Twitter's history, so it probably was when it was a lot smaller. I wasn't on there, so nothing important happened. So, like a lot of the stuff about like the high power tools and diamond drill bits have actually been explained through you know experimental archaeology that they were able to do that with much more simple tools and that this has been like this has been widely researched even like popular history like documentaries and media and stuff like that have talked about how they were able to do all this stuff with simple tools so like a bronze age civilization was able to build the pyramids and here's the fun part the thing about the bronze age and the reason why the egyptians were so good at building these like huge like absolutely like massive monuments that like to the point where these ancient aliens people can't even believe that they did it is because egypt had an extremely efficient bureaucracy and a, a social organization that was able to control the quality and the speed of work Uh, They were able to uh, move massive amounts of workers to build things. They had tools and supplies and they had like scholars and architects and stuff like that that were able to do it. Because uh, as I'm learning more and more that essentially Egypt ran itself like a planned economy. (laughs) Like um, the government was the government or whatever, you know, the equivalent of like a Bronze Age equivalent of a government was 
fairly like large and integrated like a whole lot of the Egyptian economy and managed it all together. So like the people in Egypt, they had to do service to build the pyramids. And that's how the pyramids were built. And like, yeah, everything was like very highly regulated. The prices of everything were highly regulated. So um, I'm not saying that like Soviet style plant economy is the reason we have the pyramids, but I'm not not saying it's not not saying it. That's really interesting. <laughs> See, I'm back to wanting to read more books about ancient Egypt. I need some I need some hot wrecks. The other thing, too, is that and this is I've been holding this one for the end because it's like the most punchy one. Hit me with it. Everything about the pyramids being a power plant comes from the internal design specifically of Khufu's pyramid, the Great Pyramid at Giza, mm-hmm. uh, which is very different from the internal design of every other pyramid. <laughs> so it's not like you could argue that pyramids in general could be power plants. Because this one is just significant because it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it feels like people trying to make something out of next to nothing. Yeah, this was a this was what I what I wrote in the notes as a real silly one, <laughs> and that it kind of flies in the face of all established archaeology and literally none of the science really checks out except for like maybe the microwaves thing but even then because if you if you speculate that this specific pyramid could have been a power plant it's not a definitely not a tomb definitely not a tomb it's a power plant then what are the other ones for? You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh well those are tombs okay and this other one this the big one isn't no. Okay, cool. And the the reason behind that is uh if you have that answer, you can uh you can send it to us at, at it's probs not it's <laughs> on Twitter. What a transition. I love it. Yeah, Probs Not Aliens on Twitter. Uh, Tristan, if people want to hear more about you and your smart brain, what are you doing? What are you up to? Uh, Me and my uh, questionable brain do content over at Step Back History uh, at stepbackhistory.com. Fun little place. Fantastic. And you can uh, find more of me if you want me and my thoughts. Uh, You can do so over on YouTube. My YouTube channel is called NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. I promise I actually do research and things for the topics that I talk about over there. A lot of nerdy analysis of media. I just, the whole gimmick of this podcast is I don't do anything and I just goof off the whole time while Tristan looks smart. NerdSync's a great find. If you want to know answers to important questions like, what does Captain Marvel have to say about imposter syndrome this is where you go um (laughs) if you want videos about how the live action scooby-doo movies are in the wrong order the most pressing question on earth right now i've i've made that video for you you're welcome you've probably like legitimately made the best documentary about bob ross so like give yourself credit on that one that one is making a comeback i'm glad people are liking that hey everyone did you know that you can leave us a review on iTunes and probably other places? And we would really appreciate it. We've been asking for four-star reviews, mostly because I thought it would be funny. And I've changed my mind. Only give us five-star reviews. So help me if I see a single four-star review, I will I'll end my YouTube channel. Why did I say that? Okay. Tristan. No, you dug yourself quite deep on that one. Anyway, we're a fairly new podcast. 
as of, as of this recording, we've still not released any episodes to the public. That's how far ahead we're working. So please tell your friends about us. I would really appreciate it. Tristan, do you have friends? No. Oh, okay. But if I did have one, I would tell them about this podcast. Thank you. If the world gets back to normal, you can always make friends by just shouting out into the void, who likes podcasts? And then people will answer, I do. And then you go, we're friends now. Listen to this podcast. And that's how friendship is. You're my friend now. We're having soft tacos later. It's <laughs> my favorite TikTok. Um, oh boy. But uh, until next time, friends, the truth is out there. Probably. Probably.